Adventures me. Hello. We're back again with more Star Wars for Eric's Mediocre Adventures. So we're back for episode two Attack of the Clones. I'm here. Matt's here. Hi, Eric. Hi, Matt. His child is here, I think, because I heard a eh. Yeah, that was her little eh. But, uh, <laughs> Jenna's just sneaking in here and had to take her. Oh, beautiful. But yeah, so like I like I mentioned, we're we're back for the second. I guess I don't even know how many Star Wars movies there are now. There's eleven, right? Three, six, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. All right, so we're back for the second of eleven. <laughs> Normally we'd be like, hopefully get two per, but we talk too much about Star Wars for that to ever happen. I imagine so. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the, our blessings and maybe also one of our curses here is the fact the fact that, yeah, you and I, when we get going, we can really talk a long time. Like, was it Star Wars Episode One was two-ish hours long? We talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, and that and that was even us being brief. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, I'll toss it to you to, to kind of, I guess, give the just the basic intro. I know everyone knows about these movies, but it's just kind of a thing – the easiest way to do it is to provide an introduction to the movie for those who may not know. So toss it to you. Well, so episode two, it was written and directed by George Lucas and released in 2002. So, I mean, I was at this point, about 10 years old, nine or 10. And I remember, uh, especially for episode two and three, uh, there's a lot more hype, you know, for myself with, when it came to star Wars, like my friends were, way more into star wars we were all buying like the the movie lightsabers from like walmart and toys r us and wherever we could get our hands on them and i remember especially with episode two um one of the cool things was like me and my friends would get out grab our brand new lightsabers (laughs) and go out into this big like construction site sand hill in town and we'd start like fighting up the sand hill taking swipes at each other and it was just awesome and you know like Again, I know the same problem we kind of talked about with uh, episode one is like there's a lot of negative feedback and there still is, especially about this movie, a lot of negative feedback. But for me, episode two as a kid was awesome. It really builds on a lot of the uh, what you would expect that you've seen in the first movie. You're not really getting anything hugely different, but uh, you definitely get a lot more action i would say in this one than you did in in the first movie Mm. and that's kind of where i'd like to leave off with that we got the same returning actors for the most part uh the difference mainly being the fact that jake lloyd who was the young anakin in episode one is now played by hayden christensen who will reprise the role in episode three and now in the star wars obi-wan show coming out in the next year or so and technically episode six. Yeah, depending and, on the version. <laughs> and technically episode nine. <laughs> Kinda. His voice is there. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Poor guy. I, I think he got... I'm pretty sure he had a, a bigger role in that movie and they cut it. 
I don't think so. I think he had a bigger role in the original uh, planned one for the the previous director. The I think it was called Duel of the Fates, actually, or something like that. Uh, Colin Trevorrow's episode nine involved Hayden in some form, I believe. But um, I don't think he had a bigger role. What the heck was that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. All right, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I remember when you mentioned the um, the lightsaber thing. I remember, uh, I think it was after we saw The Dark Knight. Ben, Chris, myself went to your house. And we had a war. So like before we went to your house, we went to the Walmart and Toys R Us to buy weapons. Mm, yeah. And my my weapon of choice was a lightsaber and a pistol Nerf gun. <laughs> we went into your backyard and just and just went nuts for a couple hours. You know, I I remember that because I spent the vast majority of that entire time laying in a, under a bush and just like watching everybody running around me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, for. Is there anything else you had to say about about the intro of this movie, or should should I get into my bit? <laughs> Let's get, let you get into your bit. The uh, there really is a whole lot different with this movie versus the last one that I really want to touch on. Really, the only character change is really just the older Anakin, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, and I guess I'll I'll mention it now. The other cast members I took note of, the new ones are that are fairly important. Are Tamar Morrison as uh, Jango Fett and as Boba Fett as everyone sees in The Mandalorian. Um, he's also the clones. And then uh, Sir Christopher Lee, who many of us know as uh, Saruman, the white, uh, plays Count Dooku slash Darth Tyrannus. And they're the, I think the only those three are the only new ones that I noted. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. They're of note. Yeah, uh, but yeah, for for me, for the longest time, uh, this movie was my least favorite of all like the live action movies in the before Disney times. Um, I don't recall when I first saw it. Like if I'm if I'm being honest, um, I think I saw it because we would have been living in Brazil at the time, and I would have been. I would have been nine, uh, and I don't remember seeing it in theaters. I, I could have, but I th- I think it's more likely I saw it on DVD once it came out. And yeah, just in the before Disney times, it was always my least favorite, and I always felt it was a little too long, a little too boring, and the scripts at times was just was just too wonky. Hmm. I also think it felt, and I still kind of do feel like this a little bit. I feel like it's a tease of something much more interesting. And something that for many years, up until 2007 when the Clone Wars came out, was skipped. So, like, I would have much rather have seen the Clone Wars than than uh, what started it. But, yeah. Uh, so, in the post-Disney era, era, it's still pretty low on my list, if I'm being honest. It's in the bottom four of, like, ranked Star Wars movies. But that doesn't mean I, do- I dislike it. I like all of the ones on the list, except for maybe Episode Eight. But I... <laughs> Uh, but the, like, there's a lot of things I appreciated about it, and like, just off the top of my head, it's like the the Kaminoan stuff, Jago Fett's cool, the Return stuff to Tatooine's cool. Like, there's some there's some really good bits in this. Um, there's a bunch of things I would have changed, <laughs> like I would have let someone else come in and clean up 
the draft of the script to to maybe get that a little better. But for the most part, I think it's it sets up a lot of really cool things, and it's a it's a fine movie. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I guess that I really wanted to comment on before we started talking about it is that I feel like I go back and forth on how they portrayed the Anakin and Obi-Wan relationship in this. Um, but I guess like sometimes I feel like they should be closer, but then I guess at the same time, it's not really until Anakin's an adult and, and Obi-Wan's not really responsible for him anymore that they start to become friends anyway. So I do, I kind of like that aspect it's, as well. It's one of the things that I touched on, uh, you know, I feel like, the dialogue is one of the like is like the weakest part of this entire movie and these trailer this trilogy as a whole and the thing with that is is that um the relationship between obi-wan and anakin i feel like is really weird like it's weird really weirdly displayed in this movie and i think a lot of the problem is with the dialogue it seems to go back and forth between like oh we're super close father and son relationship and then it's just like He's an animal. He's a nightmare. He's he, hold me back. He's just it's weird. And I yeah, feel like I think, you're I, right that they yeah. could have made him like older, like once he was not as. Um, well, I don't think he needs to be older. Like I think if they wanted to show us the Padawan stage, that's fine. It's just uh, I like like I said, I go back and forth on it, so I see why they did it this way, and I see and I see the other way. But it was. Um, I think it's to show the fact that they don't gel together as Padawan, and like it, it's it's because of the fact that Obi Wan was not actually ready to be a, a master to someone. He wasn't ready to be a teacher. He wasn't ready to be a father. But he can be a friend, and he can be a brother. So we see the relationship take a turn once he doesn't have to be the teacher anymore. Once he doesn't have to be the the father figure anymore, they start to get along. Yeah, like so episode, I, like you mean episode three. Yeah, in episode three, they they they're they're obviously very close. So I feel like that's why I'm kind of okay with the way they did it. But I also would have liked it a little bit more if they, if they did like each other more. But that's I, that's just not what they were trying to do. And I guess it, no. it works in the big picture. I think in the big picture, yeah, I can see it working. But I, I do find it very confusing at times. Like I, you know, I do talk about it later, but. You know, within I think five or ten minutes, Obi Anakin is praising Obi Wan, and then a couple minutes later, he's basically throwing him under the bus. Yeah, I agree. That's something I think I comment on too. Um, yeah, I, I the only other two, I only had two other notes before I started watching it in this, uh, and you've kind of pointed at it. Is my biggest gripe with this movie is the script, and then the uh, fairly poorly written love story that I think doesn't reach a point of not being creepy until the field scene on Naboo, which is, that's too long. That's more than half of their scene, like, time together. And up, up until that point, it's creepy. So, like... <laughs> well, like I said, I just watched this movie. I've watched this movie twice in the last week. And for a movie called The Clone Wars, a huge portion of this movie is literally just this forced romance between those two characters. And it's weird... <laughs> Yeah, that, that's actually that's actually my last note uh, because I said I talked about 
um, I remember seeing a lot of TikToks. There's been like a, a TikTok trend where this guy, he talks about how movies have the wrong titles. And I think a few people have been done them now. But uh, he did one where he said the Star Wars movies having the wrong titles. And I think that I don't remember what his were, but I think this is one of them. I think this one should have either been called Revenge of the Sith or just something else. Attack of the Clones just doesn't fit because there is one attack by the clones at the end. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. And they're on the yeah, good it, side when they attack. So it's like. It's a, like the end of the movie that lasts maybe 20, 30 minutes is the attack of the clones. And it's funny because you jump into the third movie. I know it's a little bit of a jump ahead, but, you know, the third movie wraps it all up within, I don't know, an hour, it seems. It feels like it wraps it up within an hour. Because technically, well, the, like, once Dooku's dead, it's basically over. Well, the, it, yeah, in that regard, it wraps up in 20 minutes. But then Grievous is kind of around for, for about three, three yeah. quarters of the movie. So I get, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, weird. It's just a weird, like, how they've decided to pace out a lot of these events. Yeah, right? I think like, I think it's a misnomer, uh, yeah. calling it Attack of the Clones. I, I, I can't think of what... That's that's just it. I can't I can't think of what to call it. Revenge of the Sith is probably the best thing I could think of, and even then it doesn't really fit. Hmm. There was a I remember one Jeremy Johns. I always go back to him because I love his reviews. Uh, he talked about how this movie should have been called like Veil of the Dark Side or something. Yeah, something like that would have been the good. whole time. Like Yoda actually like name drops it at one point about how they can't really see things clearly because, like, the veil of the dark side is, like, blocking their vision. Like, that would have been a good name for it. Oh. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> but I think every uh, every title kind of has the... Uh, it's kind of that kind of thing. So would veil of the dark side fit into, like, the way it's done? Like, it's... In the way it's done? What do you, what like, you mean? that all other titles are done. Like, it's usually... A something like attack of the clones revenge of the sith a new hope the empire strikes back like i guess with the veil of the dark side really gel with foes oh you mean like it's too long maybe maybe i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't know it's i like it though it's 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 better than attack of the clones <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but but yeah that's everything i had for the um Oh, actually, no, I had one more thing that I missed. Uh, I touched on, because you, you mentioned Hayden Christensen. I think he's fine. I, I really like him. I think people, uh, it's it's my second, I guess, soapbox thing of this series so far. Uh, <laughs> but I think people equate a bad script and the tone of his voice, like just his cadence, uh, too much to being that he's a bad actor. Yeah. Like some people just have a voice tone that makes them sound awkward at all times. I think he's one of them. And Dennis Quaid is one of them. Dennis Quaid is someone who always sounds like he's acting poorly, but it's just his voice. Uh, Harrison Ford think... is also kind of like that. He has a voice where it's kind of very just. Oh, he's the same guy. Yeah, yeah but his, like, no his... matter what he does, he's the same dude. Yeah, because like you can you can watch Hayden Christensen in a bunch of things, and even in this, he has some really great scenes, like um, when he's allowed to. Because a lot of the times it's just the lines are awkward, and he has to he has to do the best with those line those weird lines that they're given. Yeah, the um, I know. I think I've seen a comparison somewhere about how uh, he was told by like George to try and 
because he's he's Luke's father, right? So I think a lot of, in a lot of ways he was directed like, okay, look, you're kind of like a young Luke Skywalker. You're kind of coming into your own. You want to go and do more and be more. I think he himself somewhere along the line said like, you know, he looked back at the old movies to kind of get some sort of like inspiration on like, okay, Luke was like this. So I got to get some of those traits myself so that it kind of looks like you see like the connection between like father and son in a way. So I feel like I see myself a lot of similarities between Anakin in this movie and Luke in episode four. Yeah, that's something a lot of people I think ignore as well. It, there's, there's two. I, I get into it more later, but there's two things that he does, like two choices he makes, uh, two acting choices in this one in particular. That like you can choose whether or not you like them or if you think they were good, like the thing to do. But I, I don't think it means any like it, that he's a bad actor. But th- that's the first one is he he tries to act, he tries to to act like Mark Hamill did when he was being bratty. Like, I want to go to Tashi Station to get some power yeah. converters. And the, <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> like, that, like, he's he's doing Mark Hamill. And then uh, he also tries to match the cadence of James Earl Jones. Because, like, like, in his mind, at least it sounds like he's doing that sometimes. Like, I got this from Sam Witwer because that's, my Sam Witwer is my uh, my Jeremy Johns. He said he's trying. He was trying to match the cadence because just wearing a helmet and having the, the the breathing thing wouldn't change the way he speaks. It would just change the sound of it. So like Hayden Christensen tried to make sure that he spoke in that same way. So like the the biggest time you can hear it is when he's um, when they're in the bar. And he says, I am trying, Master. Yeah. Like, he's trying to do a thing. And whether you think it, it works well or not is up to you, but he's still trying. <laughs> I mean, I think the... I can't remember how much experience uh, Natalie Portman had before this movie. But, like, you can look at, like, her as an actress. She's a very well-established and successful actress. And I think I've seen her in some amazing stuff. She's a great actress at what she does. Um some of the other actors in this movie, and I'm already forgetting his name, and I shouldn't, but like <laughs> Count Dooku, like he, uh, Christopher Lee, <laughs> Christopher Lee, holy, sh- holy smokes, uh, Christopher Lee, he has like a huge resume, you know? Oh yeah. And like he's really good at what he does as well. So you can't tell me like, okay, these are really good actors. Why is it sometimes these are really really cringy performances? I mean, Christopher Lee, honestly nailed it he is a standout in my opinion he's he's different in the sense that like he doesn't come across as like cringy or poorly written like he seems to be a very solid character versus like everybody else one thing i would point out though and i don't remember where i heard it but i heard it somewhere where uh people pointed out the fact that back like in the original uh trilogy like with like Harrison Ford and stuff, if 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 the lines were weird or things were awkward at that time, they were like, "I'm just gonna say what I want to say," and then George would just like allow it. These are in, but in the prequels, they kind of talked about how it's more uh, new, fresh, like fresh face actors, and George is now a much bigger name, so they didn't wanna like try, like they didn't wanna overstep their bounds or anything. 
so they said what was written. Yeah, I could see and that. And that's part of why it's it's more awkward. And I feel like Christopher Lee wouldn't care. <laughs> like, like there's the famous story, on, like um, Return of the King, when Saruman gets stabbed in the back. Uh, the first like time few takes they did it, Christopher Lee stopped and said, "This is not how someone's getting stabbed in the back would would act because he'd like he had fought in the war, like he had seen people yeah. getting stabbed in the back." So like I think that's why he he and like uh, the the emperor come across as very different characters in these than to everybody else because if something was stupid they probably would have just they either would have changed it themselves or they would have done it in a way that made it work because they're super experienced actors yeah no I agree that that does make a lot of sense and I think the other thing too is depending on. Uh, I feel like Obi-Wan probably would have struggled with this more in this one, or Ian McGregor. Um, the amount of CGI and, like, I I assume it must be a lot harder for an actor to, say, act against more green screen and, like, all these kind of very, like, studio-based settings where you, you're working against somebody that has, like, the ping-pong ball head and all this other stuff like you've I've heard it in interviews with other people before and I mean these movies were so much uh, there was so much of that going on that a lot of these actors probably had a harder time acting against that on top of all the other factors the writing you know the CGI environments the fear of maybe saying I don't really agree with this line or this delivery let's do something different like all of those things were probably working against them the whole time yeah, and like like we obviously we've got no proof. I can't recall if if I've ever heard any of them say that, but it seems like a very logical thing. And I like I I I have heard someone say the thing about the original trilogy versus the prequels. I don't remember who it was, but I know I did hear that. And uh, like Ewan yeah. McGregor is just so good and so like charismatic that he makes most things work, like regardless. But yeah, so uh, well, hopping into the this one, um, we get the usual stuff: the 20th Century Fox, the uh, Lucas Films, and then we get the Crawl. And the Crawl in this one, I think, is pretty decent. It it updates us kind of what's been going on since the first movie. Like we learned from this that Dooku, we don't know really know who he is yet, but we know he's leading the Separatists, and they want more rights or something, <laughs> and and the, that's starting to escalate. Uh, Amidala. Padme is not queen anymore, and rather she's been made senator for Naboo. So she took uh, Shifty Palps' old job, and she's going to Coruscant to try to help deal with the Separatists. And, like, that's everything you need to know, like, about, about what's happened since the first one. Because everything else, they kind of they fill in for you, I think. Um, and you get right into it as immediately Amidala's ship blows up, and, and a few folks die. But, of course, uh, she was using a decoy and is fine. And you mentioned it, uh, but from the beginning, from this very first scene, you can tell they use so much more CGI than episode one. And I think the reason is, ba- like based on having watched the episode one documentaries, I think they learned while making episode one that they could do things through CGI quicker and cheaper. And so I'm, I'm assuming George was just like, let's just do that. <laughs> And... Yeah, I think he wanted to, because there's not a lot of time, I don't think, between these movies compared to um, 
some of the other ones. And it's definitely probably cheaper. It's easier. And George, typically, as far as I'm concerned, he was always kind of interested in pushing the boundaries of what you could do. And obviously, once you get in your mind, like, I can do anything I want with CGI. Ooh, that's cool. And then just down that rabbit hole he goes. Well, yeah, because it's like, for example, like uh, the the main thing that stood out to me from the the episode one documentary is that initially they were just going to give Jar Jar a CGI head, and the rest of it was going to be Ahmed Best. But then they found out it cost less to just do a completely CGI Jar Jar than it would to animate the head in every scene. Yeah. So, like, I'm assuming that's why he went, okay, in this one, instead of uh, using a prosthetic made-up alien i'm just gonna make a cgi alien and (laughs) save time and money whether it worked well or not it didn't didn't, uh (laughs) is 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 i guess irrelevant because they wanted it to be cheap and fast but i think i don't think that like obviously these ones are closer together than the original ones were but i don't think i think um they usually had like two years in between each one because episode one came out in 99, but I think it was filmed in 97. And two, and then uh, Attack of the Clones came out in 2002. And it was probably filmed in 2000, 2001. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, I don't think it was a time crunch thing. I think it was just they realized it would just be easier to do CGI. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so... I think I don't remember what her name is, but one of the decoys dies. Um, Corday, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's Corday. Corday dies, and you know we're supposed to be sad, but it's like I don't know you. Like maybe if it was Kira Knightley, I'd care, but. <laughs> well, she, you, you definitely would have seen her before. She's the. Uh, uh I want to say her name's like Rose Byrne or something. Well, no, Rose Byrne is is her aide that's with her later. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Roseburn's not Corday, uh, or whoever, whichever one dies. There's someone named Corday, and that might be Roseburn, but Roseburn doesn't die. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we get some more exposition as uh, Palps and the Jedi talk about what will happen if the Separatists break off from the Republic, and we learn that the dark side is clouding the Jedi's vision of the future, and we learn that Count Dooku was once a Jedi, so that's a lot of information very, very quickly. <laughs> This is also, I guess, the first time we see Bail Organa. I'd say we meet him, but we don't because he doesn't say anything. He's just standing there. And uh, Kenobi gets name-dropped. The Jedi agree to let Kenobi guard Padme, and he brings along his very tall apprentice, (laughs) young Anakin. And then we learn that it's been ten years since episode one. Uh... And that Obi-Wan might be a little reckless sometimes. They talk about Anakin saving him from a trap in a nest of Gundarks. I don't remember what Gundarks are. I think they're like flying bat things, but... Yeah, I feel like they are. It's not Um, important. (laughs) No, I, you know, I like how, you know, very quickly right off the bat, you see Palpatine's clearly working his, his magic. You know, when you see... And it's kind of interesting. I was just I was just thinking about it, but like, um, do you think the entire time Palpatine uh, is in his own way 
kind of motivating the Jedi to try and take more of an active stance in the Republic by like in having these because it doesn't make sense why the Jedi Council would be having regular meetings with the Chancellor as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think that's they a, did that with Valorum too. Like I don't think that's a new thing. No, no I, I believe they did that with Valorum. That's weird. But either way, like it's it's interesting that like within a few minutes of you know him being on screen, he's like, hey, let's uh you know let's get Obi Wan. You know you know him. Let's get him to protect you. And backhand of that is like, yeah, you're gonna go hang out with some Anakin Skywalker and keep motivating that, make that go a certain way. Yeah, because like like I we said in the first in the first one that they're kind of the guard dogs of the of the Republic, and now their leash is getting tighter. <laughs> Yeah, I really like seeing um, the early scenes of Palpatine motivating the council, like maneuvering the council in a certain way to kind of also edge Anakin and Padme closer together. Um, You see it later, but clearly over the last decade, Anakin and Palpatine have gotten quite close. So he would be well aware of uh, Anakin's feelings for Padme. Yeah. uh, Which... One of the things that's kind of weird is as soon as they actually go up to, in this next scene, to go and actually meet Padme again, Anakin is not very good at hiding how he feels. Like, at all. No, he's not. (laughs) And it's just like, he's been thinking about her for ten years. He can barely control himself. Obi-Wan clearly sees what his Padawan is feeling. Because he's very clearly saying it as well. And I'm like, is it a rule that the Jedi can't have those feelings? I don't think it was a rule prior to this movie that they can't like be all emotionally attached. Like you would know more about it, I think, than I would, because you would have been all like the legend stuff. Yeah, it was it was a rule before that. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 one of the things I pointed out too is like he immediately shoves his foot in his mouth. Uh, she friend zones him so fast, like calling him a little boy, and then he oversteps like immediately with his like the teacher student relationship. So he's just and then they have an argument in front of Padme like some dummies. Like so we're weird. already seeing that like he's he's not super good at controlling his emotions, and I think part of it um, part of it is is I think the fact that like I mentioned at the beginning, Obi Wan wasn't ready to have a student. Like especially one that's as advanced as Anakin, and then Anakin doesn't respect Obi Wan very much. Like he doesn't respect him like he respected Qui Gon. So like that uh, that immediately puts them at ba- at like odds. And then you have Palpatine always in the background, poking at Anakin, telling him like how great he is and how he could be so much better, and like how he's going to be the strongest Jedi. And and like he's he's like poking at all of Anakin's bad habits to make them. Come out more, which you sort of mentioned. Um, one thing I didn't like about this movie, and it's a choice I didn't like, and you you kind of mentioned it there, is I do not like that they had Anakin talk about how he has thought about Padme every day since they parted. Yeah. Like I kind of wish they didn't do that. I wish that they he would have met her again, and then he becomes smitten like yeah. right away, instead of trying to make them look like destined lovers or whatever. Like, cause it's just it's creepy. <laughs> um, the, cause the events of the Phantom Menace, and this is one thing that this is one of the reasons why I have a hard time 
getting past the whole like oh i would have he would have done so much better with qui-gon as a master or oh he's been thinking about padme for 10 years it's like how the events that movie for when they pick up anakin is probably what it feels like a two week long ordeal and then he was probably pretty much gone because as soon as that event was over him and obi-wan would have gone off and done like padawan training like they normally would he would not have seen padme for that whole 10 years the space so, travel would have been a, like I assume would have been a while, so like, but at most a few months likely. Yeah, how could he have such a more profound connection with Qui Gon, and then also with Padme? It doesn't make sense. I think you're right. Like they should have, he like yeah, clearly he liked her or whatever when he was a kid, but they developed something fresh in this one going forward. Well, yeah, like just had, like because he remembers, like he he remembers and likes Qui Gon and Padme because they freed him. Like, yeah. they're the ones who freedom from slavery and stuff. But, like, I think that it would have been better if, hey, man, like... Obi-Wan was there, too. <laughs> he No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was I think on it, the ship. He was on the ship. I think it would have been better if, like, once he saw her again, like, then he starts to lose control of his emotions rather than immediately showing us that he can't control them. Which yeah. I know they do that because they want to show that Obi-Wan's not a very good teacher. Like... That, that Anakin's a bad student and Obi-Wan's not a very good teacher. Like, they're doing that on purpose. But I think this would have been a better way of going about it, personally. Yeah, I definitely agree. But yeah, we learn here that uh, Anakin's been dreaming about his mother and is worried about it, and Obi-Wan knows, so clearly, like, there's some comfortableness between them. Uh, but then we get more awkward lines of Anakin being like, I'd rather dream about Padme so I can sniff her hair and stuff. <laughs> uh super weird and then (laughs) (laughs) yeah they let it slip here that uh anakin likes the chancellor and that he thinks he's a good man and not at all corrupt and stuff (laughs) so it's like uh, they're putting that out there right away for us another they clearly admit like in that scene that you're talking about there that discussion is how creepy he is like when they're talking about how uh padme turned off all the cameras and they're like basically using her as bait. Anakin comes out and says, "Yeah, I don't think she liked me watching her." Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, that's that's creepy, man. <laughs> yeah, it's very creepy. Uh, so yeah, they I guess they while they're chatting, uh, some poison worms try to kill Padme, and we actually get to see. I I like this touch that we get to see how skilled Anakin actually is, because he is super precise with his lightsaber when he cuts them off her body. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan yeets himself out of a window onto <laughs> a droid, which is pretty funny. <laughs> but and then we get... Fall, like, why, again, like, why would... I know we find out that Jango Fett hired another bounty hunter to kill Padme. Why? They used an explosive the first time, and this time around it's like, yeah, we gotta do something a little bit more subtle. So they use worms. Why not just gas the room? Or say, screw that, let's just bomb the room. Like, I don't understand why, what, why there had to be it had to be subtle this time. That didn't make know. sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. I can't tell weird. you that. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were trying to get attention off of them, and if the worms killed her, it would have seemed natural or something. I don't know. It's yeah. But then well, we that get it. Make sense. I know. Don't don't ask me. I didn't write this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get. I guess the first like really really big CGI set piece with the speeder chase through Coruscant. 
uh, I think it's fine. We get some more exposition, like seeing how cocky Anakin is. Like he mentions that he thinks that he can match Yoda in saber fighting. And then we get to see that he is quite skilled as a CGI pilot. Um, uh, so the CGI is wonky at times, but it's mostly good, I think, because it's uh, it's set at night, so it's, it's hi- easier to hide things. I don't know, watching this, though, how anyone would follow anyone, like, in this setting. It's so chaotic, and there's cars, like, flying everywhere. It makes no sense to me. Uh, They're using the force, man. They got a force tracker on her. Yeah, I guess. Um, Anakin's line, this is a shortcut, I think, still makes me chuckle every time I see it. And so does uh, when he yeets himself off the speeder. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny, too. Um, What are your general thoughts on the speeder chase? Um, Yeah, I think tracking her is... like My only problems with it is, like, one... The CGI stuff is really bad, in my opinion. And I, but I do really like the sounds, if that makes sense. I love the sounds of the speeders. If I could ask, is it bad for 2020 standards or is it bad for 2002 standards? <sighs> Definitely bad for 2020. I can't really tell you what I was thinking in 2002. <laughs> But I will Fair say enough. this is like chances chances are it was probably really really good in 2002 because when I look back at uh, like when I look at video games right the Elder Scrolls Oblivion for example my favorite Elder Scrolls game ever it looks very bad but I do remember when it came out and at the time I'm like this game is gorgeous it's the best thing I've ever seen I'm assuming this is a similar sort of situation at the time it looked really good yeah, it doesn't hold up and I mean that's kind of the downside with cgi is that typically it doesn't hold up um yeah. but i in this whole part like i really enjoyed the sound effects from the speeders i thought that's one of the highlights and i do like that you see his like anakin's arrogance on like full display i think that you know you i i didn't agree with him hyping himself up in terms of like oh i thought i was just as good or better than yoda like come on man you haven't shown us anything to even remotely make anyone believe what you're saying is true. Like you're just talking yourself up. At least if you're going to like drop something down like that, maybe you could have had a really cool fighting sequence at the start, but you didn't, you just had a fit. But anyway, um, well, the, the reason for that, and it, it comes a little later, like not, not even too far later, but there's a scene that they throw in um, shortly after this where Palpatine is talking to Anakin and he's sh- like she's showering him with these kind of compliments. Yeah. That like he's super strong and he can match anybody in lightsaber combat. Like that's where he hears this stuff. But he at the same Palpatine. time, Palpatine is, as far as everybody is concerned, he is just a senator. So he has like that is not someone you should take his he, opinion he's, on. He's with a great the supreme soul. chancellor of the Republic. So the Jedi, senator. yeah, but the Jedi answer to him, like in in this setup. He's the uh, most important person <laughs> in the thing. He's not the he's, most experienced person when it comes to, like, in terms of, like, it doesn't matter. which Jedi if, is if, more powerful. Or... It doesn't matter if if the the king of England or what, like, the, I would say the prime minister, but our prime minister sucks. But, like, if someone, like, in a, in a super, like, powerful position comes forward and is talking you up, you're going to listen to them, especially if you're a kid. <laughs> I guess. 
and then he's like he's he he is better than all of the other students like at lightsaber combat and he's probably just as good as obi-wan like at this point so you can see like how he'd get a big head when he has people always calling him the chosen one and he's got the chancellor up his butt like reminds me of harry potter well i am a chosen one yeah (laughs) um but no i like i i didn't I understand where it's coming from, but I didn't agree with it myself. But anyway, I it's like not that. Right. You, <laughs> I know. Um, I like that you start. You see more of that arrogance coming through, and immediately after he's talking himself up, which I didn't like, he does pull that sick move where he's like, hmm, "I can't find her." He just looks around. He jumps out of the speeder. I thought that was cool. Made yeah, no but then sense he whatsoever. immediately loses his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, immediately loses it, and realistically, he would have died like big time. That 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 him grappling on a very smooth surface speeder that's flying through the air, with got nowhere to hold on to, but he's holding on while this girl's like doing all these maneuvers and stuff. Yeah, doesn't make sense, but it was cool. But yeah, so we get. Uh... The speeder crashes. Anakin caused it to crash a bit before he lost his lightsaber, and uh, they head into a bar. And quite a quite a few things happen in the bar. We get the excellent death sticks exchange, um, <laughs> which lives on in memes all around. This is where we get uh, Hayden doing the James Earl Jones cadence with his "Yes, Master, I am trying." And then he, that's pretty neat. We also get some fun foreshadowing moments in like callbacks to the original trilogy like obi-wan saying why do i get the feeling that you'll be the death of me and um obi-wan cutting off someone's arm in a cantina and uh, anakin losing his temper a bit so we get all these like nice little fun moments there's also uh two cameos i don't know if you noticed them the because obviously actors that are playing like heavily costumed or heavily cgi characters you don't see them as much I know Katie Lucas is there, but I don't I don't know who else would be there. Uh, I keep forgetting his name, but the Jar Jar guy, he's there too. Oh, Ahmed Best. Yeah, Ahmed Best is there. So like that exact same sequence, you're like you saw him, like when they when he cuts off the arm and it flashes to like a couple people in the bar. You see C-3PO. He's the old guy that looks to the right, and then it flashes to another guy in a blue suit. That's Ahmed Best. Oh, nice. I did not notice that. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, they, they get the lady after they cut her arm off, the changeling, and, uh, right when she's about to tell them stuff, she gets shot with a dart by a man in armor with a jetpack. Armor that looks weirdly familiar, but a different color. <laughs> and, uh, from this, Obi-Wan gets a clue as to who is targeting, uh, Amidala, and, uh, the Jedi counts are like, well, you should go follow that clue. We'll send your pubescent troubled teen alone with the super hot senator to guard her. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> We're lucky she didn't get pregnant then. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it's right after this that we get the little scene of uh, Palpatine just showering Anakin with compliments in his office. Yeah. Uh, and then Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Mace Windu have a chat in, in the most horrendous looking CGI hallway i've ever seen in my life (laughs) and they talk about how anakin's arrogant but they bring up the chosen one prophecy again so we know that's still around i i really like you're right like the hallway looks awful but i really like that conversation that they had not so much for the um 
prophecy of the chosen one or whatever. I liked that there Yoda mentions how more and more uh, Jedi are becoming arrogant, similar to how like you know Anakin is. You know, it's a it's a trait that's becoming more and more common, even with masters. And I thought that was really cool, and it actually made me think back to um, the Knights of the Republic stuff. I know it's you know it's not canon by any means, but one of the most compelling things from from those games and that older storyline was the fact that you know at some point there was a war that broke out and then there was like a conflict within the jedi order about like okay well we should go in you know protect the republic and go and fight this war and then other jedis were like no we shouldn't and then it from that became like a jedi civil war yeah it would have been really cool in my opinion if like anakin was more of a revan type character leading a vanguard of people to go and fight an actual war versus it's he seems like like this one conversation makes it sound like there's more jedi where this is a common trait but the movie's really presented as anakin is like the solo guy that's very against the grain and very like arrogant unlike anybody else it would have been cooler and i think it would have made more sense in terms of like the whole story if they had more of a uh civil war kind of break in the order to kind of explain more of this kind of stuff and I th- anyway it made me thought this conversation scene made me think of like kotor in that storyline and i thought it was cool yeah we're we're disagreeing a lot in this one already uh i don't <laughs> agree with that i didn't get that sense i think when they're talking about people being more arrogant it's meaning they're more arrogant in their skills but they're still dogmatic to the order and to the code. Like it's not a, that's not an issue. An- Anakin's kind of an outlier in that regard, but it, I think it's more that they they think they're hot shit. And the issue like with C- Coder was we want to, f- we're Jedi. We're supposed to help people. We want to fight in this war and help people. And the order's like, well, our, our code won't allow it. And so that's what led to the civil war. And then, the end result of that was the Jedi going, we're going to make our code and our cult much stricter. <laughs> so now people like don't really have the opportunity to, to really like rebel from it. The most of them, like most people don't start getting disgruntled with the order and like until after a massive war has been going on and they've been fighting in the war as, as soldiers rather than acting as Jedi that's i don't think the um the arrogance thing is a purely like power related thing or a headstrong thing i do think it's uh like what i was trying to say was a combination of what i had actually said and what you said that it would lead to um like i know they're arrogant but i i do think you say more and more jedi because they're talking about anakin they're talking about how there's more and more Jedi that are, you know, ex- showing these traits kind of gives you, at least it gave me, you know, this idea that, yeah, okay, there's going to be more and more people like Anakin having these same sort of views. Um, I know he's an outlier probably to the extent, <laughs> but I think that uh, there could have been a lot, there's a lot more potential from a lot of the things that they're just even just mentioning or talking about in this movie that they could have really jumped uh, onto more. And I think it would have 
when we talk about like the fall of you know Anakin Skywalker and how he's slowly becoming you know Darth Vader going more of a leader route for this like sect of like fighting for the Republic and protecting the people because maybe the Jedi are like well we can't get involved we can't do this but then at the same time Separatists are you know attacking Coruscant and other planets and hurting people and all of that like he could motivate people more that way which would it further increase his kind of like I'm the best kind of attitude well, that's that's what he does though during the war. That's why he's called the hero with no fear. Like, you don't see that in the movies, man. But you don't. I don't think you need to. Like, I you, think it would have helped. I yeah. I I <laughs> not. We're just. I, I I don't agree on on that regard. I don't think I. Because we we get some of the people who are kind of like him, like Quinlan Voss and and um, and Ahsoka, like they're both kind of like him, but it's. I think it kind of ruins it because the the fact that he's the way he is and the reason why he is is supposed to be because they couldn't indoctrinate him into the into the cult like they got him too old. So this but is what happens when you take someone who is super powerful, too old, and like they don't know how to teach people properly. Like, but Anakin could have been like that destabilizing force. You know what I mean? Like his presence would have been like Ahsoka, obviously. Like, Ahsoka isn't a great example. Because of her time with Anakin, she, I mean, again, I haven't watched all of the show, but my interpretation of it is that if she was with anyone else but Anakin, she probably wouldn't have been as Ahsoka as she actually is now. Uh, Anakin's mere presence and success in the Order and in the Clone Wars bred more people to inch towards his approach to things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I, all I would say is if, if they had done that, you wouldn't have gotten KOTOR, so... <laughs> they wouldn't have done the, No, they wouldn't have done the same story uh, beats twice. They, especially game to movie, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have done that, I don't think, but... We we get a, a weird scene uh, after this chat where Anakin hops between his emotions like really really fast. Uh, he talks about how they have to listen to their higher ups for the sake of safety and stuff. So he's like, "Oh, like we have to listen to those in charge." And then he starts to whine about Obi Wan. Then he compliments Obi Wan, and then he has a fuss about being held back, and then he starts being pervy again. Yeah, that's the same scene I was talking about it earlier. It's really weird. Yeah. I, I assume he was trying to impress Padme, and then it just got away from him, and he started being whiny, but... You also get the creepiest stare I've ever seen in a movie, I think, ever. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is the one point I noticed, like, a part like where the acting was questionable, and maybe they should have done another take, is when he says it isn't fair. When he's talking about Obi-Wan, he's like, it isn't fair. It's not. It's not a great. It's not a great performed line, but he kind of pulls it back and does the rest of the scene, just fine. Yeah. Yeah. That that scene. There's just so much going on in that very very short scene. It's all over the place, and it's it's like okay, <laughs> this was this was five scenes worth of emotions here. Let's let's move on. I have a hard time understanding why Padme likes him. 
I really, really do. Well, that's like scenes like that is why people have the theory that he used the force on her, <laughs> and like made her like him. But I don't, I don't think that's what happened. But a lot of people have that theory. Uh, but Anakin and Padme scoot away to Naboo, and then Obi Wan goes to a diner to see Dex, who's like a big old alien with four arms, uh, completely CGI'd. And I thought it was fine. Until I saw the actor they had playing him during, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I'm like, you should have just used this guy instead of the alien. He looks great. Like, he looks like someone who would have a diner. But not important. Uh, Dex is the one who tells Obi-Wan about the cloners on Kamino. So we get Obi-Wan's quest for this movie. And we get some of that famous Jedi arrogance that I've been talking about uh through this one and the last one and uh when obi-wan goes to the archives to look for kamino and he can't find it jacosta new comes up and says if it isn't in the archives it doesn't exist yeah that is the most <laughs> arrogant like thing that anyone could say like like okay grandma go you obviously don't know what the internet is like go go on <laughs> I, I like that we both touched on that um I think it's super interesting that you she's old school, you know, she is like old school. Jedi are basically perfect. Like if it's not there, it's not there. And she just complete snob. I love, uh, I wish they did it because she's so annoying and that like, and snotty in this one scene. I wish when Jedi or Anakin attacks the temple in the next movie, spoiler alert, that he actually kills her. And in the Revenge of the Sith video game on PS2, there's a scene where he actually goes into the temple and she, like, ignites a lightsaber at him because he's all, like, dark side and stuff. He, like, force chokes and impales her with a lightsaber. I'm like, yes! The uh, the Vader comic actually has... She has a super cool moment in the Vader comic when he goes to the temple, to the Holocron vault. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> She she does good stuff. Uh, I have think, to see that. Yeah, I think uh, he, I don't remember if he kills her or if an Inquisitor kills her, but she like she fights them off for a bit and she does a, she does a pretty decent job. And she has some some good scenes in the Clone Wars. Like she's just she's just super annoying and arrogant here. <laughs> uh, uh, like my does... first response would have been, it, it, like it, it, we're probably missing something. Not <laughs> not that it doesn't exist. <laughs> arrogance I tell you. Um, my question is because they don't really ever I think they really ever answer it is it they don't explain who deleted it I get Dooku. the impression Dooku it, deleted was, it. it was Dooku yeah I thought for a time maybe it was Cypher Diaz but it, but it was Dooku yeah like he deleted it before he left the order kind of thing yeah I kind of figured but they didn't I don't think they explicitly say that in the movie I'm like uh that's no, one they, of the yeah, things they that they... they don't say in the movie. I had to look it up too. I thought I I thought when I when I watched, I was like I couldn't recall who did it because I know I'd looked it up before, but I I, I assumed it was either Cipher DS or or Dooku, and but it was it was Dooku. That's one of the weirder things is that they have these interesting moments like who deleted it, who is Master Sifo Diaz, like what's going on that. It's they never actually big answer for three movies, man. It's they too big never answer it. It's Clone Wars and comic books. Yep. Well, you still don't really know who Cyber Diaz is because he died before Phantom Menace, I think. It, yeah. Obi, I was going to ask you, Obi-Wan says a line later. 
Uh, obviously, he goes to Camino and finds out with the clones and stuff, and he reports back to the council. And he's just like, I thought they said Master Sifo Diaz ordered the clones, but I thought he died before that. So I'm like, did he die? I don't understand that. And when we get there, I'm sure you can hopefully explain that to me better because it doesn't yes, make so sense in my head. He died, um, I think, shortly after the Phantom Menace. Like he died in the same year as the Phantom Menace takes place. And as I understand it, at least in Legends, uh, I don't know how it is now. Um, Plagueis and Insidious like planted things in his mind that made him go uh, like order the the clone army. Hmm. If I recall correctly, I might not be correct on that, but that's what I remember it used to be. I don't know what it is now. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly getting the impression based on like that Obi-Wan message he sends out was something like uh, Sifo Dias placed the order, but then he died before that. So maybe someone pretended to be Sifo Dias and put the order in. Uh, no, I think he actually did put the order in, but either way, they don't answer it. It's like it's one of those great mysteries from these movies because, like you said, it's not enough for three movies. At least how they've decided yeah. to organize them. Yes, yeah, so according to according to this, he was he did contact them and he and he pretended it was a request from the Senate. Then after he was killed, uh, Plagueis or no, uh, not Plagueis, because uh, Plagueis would have been dead at that point too. Uh, Dooku and Sidious funded it, so they that's when they started doing it. So that's so he made the order, and then Dooku and them after he was dead brought in Jango Fett and the money. Hmm. We get. Um, Obi-Wan's like, okay, you didn't help me at all, lady. And uh, we hop over to Anakin and Padme, who are on their way to Naboo. And we actually get a, a really interesting scene when uh, Anakin talks about compassion and love and, like, his take on it. And, like, this is... <laughs> I, f I feel like that's really interesting. And that would actually kind of... If that was a thing they did, that could actually kind of uh, go into what you were talking about and, like, his own interpretation of the code and, like, his own order... Because that's that would have been a much healthier way of, of doing it, but then he makes it incredibly creepy by talking yeah. about dreaming on about Batman <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> he says something wise and cool, and then he starts talking about dreaming about the girl that he barely knows. <laughs> like, okay, buddy, <laughs> he's at that age, man. It's all he can think about. Yeah, that's one thing. Like, uh, just comment on it because some people get super confused. Uh, in Phantom Menace. Padme is 13, and Anakin is either 8 or 10. I think he's 8. And then there's 10 years, so she's 23 and he's 18. So they're only a few years apart in age. Like, let's just get that get that out of the way. They're about, there's like a five-year age difference between them. So. Yeah, it seems creepier in the first movie. But, I mean, there's not really a romance between them in the first movie. They're just nah. kind of like... He just thinks uh, she's yeah. an angel. <laughs> he just thinks she's an angel. Like, the five years, especially if he's 18 in this one, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, like, a lot of people don't just don't realize that. They they assume that she was older, but she was 13. Uh, because Naboo, for some reason, likes having really young queens. Naboo is creepy. Naboo is creepy. <laughs> but yeah, so Obi-Wan takes a visit to Yoda and the younglings, where one of the younglings points out the obvious, that Kamino was probably erased from the archives. 
which like Yoda clearly knew and he wasted everyone's time to make this a teaching moment. <laughs> hey, that's a good teacher. That's what good teachers do, man. He could have just told Obi-Wan he would have been on his way. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't see it as that present. But it, like, at, that, at this point in time, it, it becomes super obvious to like anyone paying attention that the guy leading the Separatists, the ones that are rumored to be trying to kill Padme, the guy who was once a Jedi, was probably the one who erased Greg Camino from the archives. <laughs> like, like the pieces are all there and they're all quite clear <laughs> the fact that they don't even consider it is ludicrous <laughs> you know the other thing too is the fact that Dooku is able to leave the Jedi Order at all I find interesting he was able to leave because of um, because of his role on his home planet so sometimes the Jedi will make exceptions for like certain races or certain people in positions of power. So like he was part of like the ruling family of um I don't remember what planet he's from, but he was part of the ruling family of, of that of that planet, and I think his father died. If I remember correctly, so he was able to go back and take up that role, which meant that he was able to step away from the Jedi. Because hmm. they, they, there's other exceptions. Like there's, um, I'm trying to remember who it is, but one of the masters on the Jedi Council has a family, and he has multiple children and multiple wives because his species like had like went through a like a plague or something, and a lot of them were dying. And, and isn't, his isn't that Kia on Monday? It yeah, it might be Kia on Monday. Uh, so like they make these kind of exceptions sometimes. Does it say he left the order? Uh, yeah, so he was able to re, uh, become the Count of Sereno, which is his planet, uh, which is what allowed him to resign from the order. Lucky. I wonder if Anakin would have gotten the same deal. Oh, it, technically, they, anyone can leave. Like, Do the they get cut is, off from the Force? If they choose, to, if they stop using it. It really seems like there's nothing holding people to to the order if they don't want to be there. But that's the, that's why they take them young so that they they don't ever realize that they don't want to be there. <laughs> or they <laughs> uh, see, I don't know what Anakin and uh, Padme are freaking out about then. Well, because it probably would have been like a, a big thing, and then he has nothing else, and it would have been a scandal. She's yeah, rich. but it would have been a scandal, and she probably would have been kicked out of the Senate and stuff. Like it's a it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Anyways, uh, Obi-Wan goes to Kamino now that Yoda finally told him where it is. And I love it there. The planet is so cool looking. And the Kaminoans look great. Like, I like their interesting aliens. Uh, this is when we learn that Master Jedi Master sifo ordered the creation of a clone army for the Jedi and the Republic. And... Uh, there are some very stormtroopery looking people, which is concerning <laughs> to anyone who's aware of things. I think uh, what I another thing I appreciated about the when Obi Wan is on Kamino and he's getting like the introduction to the clones is that the uh, Kaminoans they're actually talking to him about how they created them to be a lot more obedient that they yeah. do they'll take any order without exception and without question. 
And I thought that was really cool. It's just kind of thrown in there. Like, it's a small thing, which obviously becomes so much bigger later. But uh, that's one of those things I actually really appreciated is you see all of those clones going through the super training and they're talking about how their combat is like, combat skills are better than anything else and they're super obedient. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a great army for you guys. You should definitely take them. <laughs> yeah, there's nice little touches like that. Um, and then Anakin and Padme go to a lake house in Naboo where Anakin proceeds to get creepy again. Uh, he's like touching all up on her bare back while talking about how he hates sand. <laughs> I love that scene. And then they get to smooching, but uh, after a minute of smooching, she's like, nah, never mind. Let's not smooch. And like, fair enough, he respects that and he backs off and they go about their day. The only other thing I guess about Naboo too is they there's a scene where they go and meet the, with the queen and like Padme's like super disrespectful to Anakin and I'm like whoa <laughs> like he's technically in charge of your security you could be nicer. <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting too that guy that bearded guy from the first movie was talking about how uh, Newt Gunroy Gunry is still like in charge of the Trade Federation after all these like uh, investigations and court hearings and stuff like that, like he's still in charge after the events of the first movie and how they don't have faith and any action actually being taken. I'm like, why is that not a red flag for anybody to, they voted out Valorum on a vote of no confidence. Why couldn't they just call the same thing again for Palpatine? Like, I know they wouldn't, but like, they would. I don't think they'd have the support. He's got his finger in too many, too many pots. Like the, it's one. Like it's it, obviously it's like uh, the complaint is that there's so much going on in these movies that there's so so many things that are unexplained. But like Valorum had was in an awkward position at that point. Like he there had been like rumors and stuff about him, and he was already like things were already not looking good for him. So when they called for a vote of no confidence, Palpatine obviously knew that that things were in turmoil and that if he did this Valora would get voted out oh, it's it kind say, of a different position it doesn't say a whole lot about Palpatine's skill set when like very clearly the Trade Federation has done very bad things and they have failed to boot that guy out after four attempts well it's cause that's, that's it he's keeping them there and then when people ask how are they still there, it's like oh it's, well, it's money and bureaucrat and stuff. Like it's like I'm trying, but they've they're paying off the right people and and all this stuff. But really, he's just letting them be there because he wants them there. <laughs> uh, just I don't know. It, I'm having a I'm having a hard time with that one. Yeah, fair enough. But it's all part of his machinations, right? He he needs them there in that position because he's like he obviously still has use for them and they're in the droids and stuff. So yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we, we see the, the clones, as you mentioned, getting their training, and we learn that they're accelerated in age. Not s- super accelerated, because, like, I think it's just it's sped up, like, twice the amount. It stops at said. a certain point, too, right? I don't, I think so, yeah. I think once they're full grown, it stops. But uh, this is when we learn that a guy named Django Fett is the base of all the clones, and all he wanted uh, to do this was some cash money. And an alter, an unaltered clone for a son, whom he named Boba Fett. 
wonder who that guy is. I wonder who that guy is. Uh, it leads to a great scene, though, which was probably disturbing to many of like the original trilogy watchers the first time they saw it, when there's an Imperial March-esque song as a bunch of stormtrooper-looking people line up and a bunch of ships. <laughs> it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was cool. But we finally get to the point, too, where the romance stops being creepy uh, as we get the field scene in Naboo. And uh, we actually get some nice, like, good chemistry scenes between Anakin and Padme. And then we also, uh, from this, we get some hints of Anakin's interest in a dictatorship or an empire. Yeah. Because he talks about how, um, like, they should just make a decision and then do it. And she talks about how the the problem is people can't agree. And he's like, well, they should be made to. And uh, she's like, well, that's a dictatorship. He's like, well, if it works. (laughs) (laughs) If it works, works. Kidding, not kidding. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, if it works, kidding, not kidding. And uh, so that's I like that when he says that, just the well, if it works. <laughs> I thought that was good. And then uh, he has another good line there too, where where she where she thinks he's teasing. He's like, I'd much I'd be much too frightened to tease a senator. I think that's funny. Uh, then they roll around in the flowers, which is nice. Um, but it feels like George <laughs> lets that scene go for a little too long before saying cut. <laughs> like yeah, it, it, just, I... it just goes a bit too long. They were rolling around together, like literally rolling down that like hill, and I, I was waiting for a Hayden to see all yippee. <laughs> yippee. I don't Across. know why, like right towards the end, I'm like, yippee's coming any minute now. Well, that's for the deleted scene of the wedding night, my gosh. Yippee. <laughs> yippee. Uh, we also get it. Then right after that's another very good scene. Uh, so it's, it's it's pretty much like just. This part of the movie is just good scene after good scene, I think. Uh, but this one is when Obi-Wan meets Jango and Boba Fett. Uh, I think it's great with Obi-Wan spying the armor in the corner. And then we get the name drop of uh, Tyrannus. There's a little bit of Mandalorian being spoken. And uh, and then Jango kind of learning that the jig is up. One thing I like, too, from this is if you're, like, if you're familiar with the extended universe and Obi-Wan's history with Mandalore, that, like... He probably knows very well who this man is, and like he understands the Mandalorian being spoken and stuff. Like I really like that knowing that after the fact because it adds like an extra, an extra je ne sais quoi to the scene. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, the interaction was cool. I don't. I'm still not familiar with Obi Wan's like Mandalorian background. To things yeah like, i know he has time and time again to watch, to watch i know i know i know <laughs> i'm sure at some point i'll get to it but uh you know i do appreciate that if that's something that is explained later like that's pretty cool i i didn't as far as i was like you don't need to know much to be like oh he just told him to close the door yeah like it, it's not necessary it's just I, I just think it adds an extra like level to the scene, just knowing yeah. that. I think it, it makes it a little bit cooler. And then you get the uh, the fight between them because after they they leave and Django, it's like, yeah, we're gonna need to leave now. This doesn't seem like a good situation for us. They go and they try and take off, and uh, you get that that battle, that fight scene between Obi Wan and, and Django Fett. How, what do you think of that? That felt like a very like Obi Wan should have died, right? Like he was blasted <laughs> by Slave One a couple times, and like he should have been damaged a little bit more than what he was because he looks fine. 
Yeah, he probably probably used the force and stuff. Um, I do like that it's kind of a fight of like old school versus new school, and then it's also it's not like just Obi Wan versus Jango Fett because that probably would have been a much more one sided fight. But it's Obi Wan versus Jango Fett while Boba Fett's taking pot shots at him from Slave One. Like, I like, like seeing it, Slave One more. Yeah, I like I like seeing Slave One more. And I I noticed that the effects here were generally better, but I suppose like I I suppose it's easier to hide CGI or or bad CGI when it's in a dark and rainy setting. So it, it's probably easier to make it look good in that in that regard. Yeah, I agree. One thing that was weird, though, and it's before that, uh, when Obi-Wan leaves the cloners, he goes outside to call the Jedi Council, and for some reason, instead of doing it inside or doing it in the ship, he just stands in the rain <laughs> and calls them. He needed a good Wi-Fi signal, man. Yeah, I guess, but he gets super wet, and then the plot gets thicker because we learn here that the Jedi nor the Senate ever approved the creation of the clone army. And they have no idea where it's coming from. And uh, I like this part here because Yoda is like, we can't tell anybody this. Like, we can't, like, because Mace Windu wants to tell the Senate. And Yoda's like, we can't do that because that's going to make the Jedi look bad. Like, we don't want the people knowing that the Jedi are having performance issues. And I, I enjoy that touch because I think it's like, it's like, yeah, but if you would have told them, then the probably everything spoilers that is blamed on you at the end of episode three would not happen. <laughs> I, I can't see there being any downside personally to them finding out like, yeah, Hey guys, um, we just found out through our investigation on the assassination of a Senator that someone made a random army for the Republic. You know, that thing you guys are all up in arms about voting for now. Yeah. Someone already made an army. Oh, and I mean, also, the Jedi can't support it, but. yeah, and also, uh, we can't like tell the Force good anymore. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> yeah, so they fight, and uh, Obi Wan decides to track Slave One, so he like pretends to have been killed, and he decides to follow them. And while that's going on, we get more of the forbidden love. I think Anakin explaining aggressive negotiations is pretty funny. That, that makes me laugh. Uh, he also misuses the force like a bad boy to flirt, and, and he cuts fruit and, like, floats it. I mean, I would do that all the time, man. I would never move. Xbox controller, force grab that thing over here. Yeah, but there's, there's like, the two things I noticed during this part is that Padme does not dress like someone who's at a beach house. Like, she's always dressing super fancy. And then there's also a super weird cut here from them at that table eating to them sitting entirely too close to each other on a couch, not speaking, like, (laughs) at night. And, of course, Anakin once again overshares his feelings, making himself seem obsessive and over-emotional. Whose decision between the two of them do you think it was to sit alone in a dark fireplace lit room on the same couch nor like in any other group of people i would say like it was probably padme but with them i feel like anakin probably just sat beside her (laughs) (laughs) okay well who turned off the lights it's probably anakin probably yeah but uh yes he he's he's just so like he's too emotional here and it's weird but 
like my note here is like I guess that's what happens when you take a troubled, emotionally wounded child from slavery and from the only parent he's ever known, and then try to teach him that all emotions are bad and to smother them all down. You get a pretty weird guy. So I guess that's 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 what you get. All I could say is it's a good thing that the Jedi really I don't think are allowed to drink. Yeah. Though Obi Wan drinks at the bar. Yeah, he's he's old enough. I guess. Anakin was underage. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I also this was the point that what I noticed too is and it's it's something that the prequels only really do. Uh, is they have the people speak like kind of old timey and very formal. It's it's kind of strange. Like when Anakin and Padme talk to each other, it's it's very formally. And, Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, it's Shakespearean. But the only time we ever saw that in the original trilogy was pretty much the one time Leia spoke to Tarkin and then just generally when Tarkin speaks because like that's just how he speaks um I don't know if it was like a style like chosen on purpose to show like this is society at its peak and we're all very fancy or if it's just George like not being good at writing dialogue everyone loves Romeo and Juliet let's just take that no no one loves Romeo and Juliet what are you talking about (laughs) man it's still around Someone likes it. <laughs> uh, we, get, we we get another good scene though, so this is like the the good scenes are just stacking up. At least I think it's a good scene uh, when Anakin's meditating in the morning. Like I appreciate that they're showing that he is super tense and that he's having trouble meditating because it feels like something that his character would have trouble with. Mm-hmm. And then um, he senses Padme coming, and Padme being the other doll that she is mm-hmm. is like. Let's go to Tatooine and check on your mama, dog, because he he keeps having uh, he keeps having nightmares about his mommy. Yeah. I I feel like the the whole I hate Tat like I I'm personally at the point with all the Star Wars movies and TV shows I am so sick and tired of Tatooine. Yeah. But but this is like the whole go rescue your mom go see how she's doing that entire sequence I think is the best sequence of the entire movie. Yeah, I, this like when they go to Tatooine when they landed is is like I'm sure I've realized it before, but this is the, the the first time it came to me like really clearly that in the original six movies we go to Tatooine in five of them. The only movie that they don't go to Tatooine in is Empire Strikes Back. Like, doesn't that seem insane? That seems super insane. Yes, it, it's too much. Um, <laughs> But Anakin, uh, once they go to Tatooine, we go and meet up with Watto, who's who's not looking great. He's got a really dirty goatee. And um, we learn that he had sold Anakin's mom, uh, but the guy who bought her freed her and married her. And his name is Klee Lars. And, and people will be like, I know that name. It's like, yes, you do know that name. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we learned that I guess that she had been, she was married to Kleeg. Kleeg has a son, Owen, whose girlfriend's name is Baru. <laughs> Uncle Owen and Baru. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, sadly, she was kidnapped by the Sand People, and everyone's like she's dead. But Anakin's like, ah, she's probably not dead. And everyone else is like, no, she's dead. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then Anakin's like, okay, well, I'm going to go look for her. And then Padme tries to entice him to stay. And like a weird, like, 
belly window dress where she's showing off her abs. But he's like, nah, I'm going to go look for my mom. So he gets on a uh, speeder and then the music gets super awesome as we get like one theme that blends into Duel of the Fates as we reach like another turning point in Anakin's life is once again, the suns are setting over his shoulder and then it goes into a different song. Like it's like, Oh, just John Williams is a treat. (laughs) It's, it's a really awesome scene. Like I really wish it was substantially longer than what it was because it should have been. And it's at this point um, where I'm like shit on Hayden all you want. Like don't, Cause, but I like I can't stop you. Like, but don't. Uh, but the scene with his mom is so good. Yeah. And his rage once she dies and he goes after the raiders, like with Qui Gon's voice in the background, is just it's 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 beautiful stuff. And uh, this act of evil, like out of love, forever taints Anakin. And like from here, he's pretty much set on the path to Dark Vader. As a, uh, I said Dark Vader, Darth Vader. As evidenced by the music that plays when he tells Padme what he did, because you, you get tones of, of his theme music as Darth Vader, which is which is pretty good. Yeah, he does not hold back when he tells her what he did. And again, she still wants to be with him. Yeah. But I think this scene is really like it's it's well, these scenes together, so him killing all the Tuscan Raiders and then telling her is are really the scene that sets uh, like everything up for his turn in three, I think. Yeah. Like when he just expresses all of his emotions here, he's like, you, you hear it all. He's been told that he's the chosen one. He's been told that he's the most powerful Jedi ever. People are telling him that he should be able to protect everyone, that he can always fix things, that he's super powerful, yet he can't fix the few things he needs to fix. Like he can't, he can't save his mom from dying when based on everything he's being told by everyone around him, he should be able to. And it's like, okay, like you can see why when he's now at this point, he's like, I promise this is never going to happen again. So you can kind of see why when it went in three, when the threat of it happening again comes up, he's like, nah. (laughs) And I love the, just the line, like they're, they're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals. Yeah, so good. Like it, he he hates them and he wants to be angry, but Jedi's can't be angry. So he just tries to smother it down, and we see it explode out later in a in a youngling massacre. Like, <laughs> do you think? I know it's a little off topic. Um, with the Obi Wan show coming out and Hayden coming back to reprise his role, do you think there's a chance because of how successful, um, you know? Well, not really so successful, but like the highlight of Rogue One, for example, is the Darth Vader scene. Uh, Darth Vader comics, for example, the stories have been really popular. Um, and now with the talk of like the Obi-Wan show and Hayden coming back and a lot of like hype built around that. Do you think there's a chance that after that show, if it's successful and if he's well received, we could get like a Darth Vader uh, kind of episode three to four kind of movie or even like a Darth Vader movie that takes place between four and five or something. Um, do you think there's a possibility of something like that, that he could come back for Like that would be kind of cool. Oh, I have no idea. I'd be on board for it. Um, I'm to be honest, I am so tired 
of the time period between three and four. Like, I am so tired of it. I, I don't want to see it anymore. Like, <laughs> the Obi-Wan show is, is the last I want to see of it. Unless they're going to show me Darth Vader or Darth Maul. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't care anymore. Like, like that Cassian Ando show, show that's coming out, I don't give... I don't give a care. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I, I didn't like him enough anyway. I don't know how we're warranting he has a whole show. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like him either. So I was like, I, I don't care. But if they did a Darth Vader thing, I, I would watch it and I'd like it. Uh, would I prefer like a between four and five thing? Maybe. Or between five and six, maybe. But I, I, I'd love to see more Hayden doing things. Like even if they did some live action like before episode three stuff i'd be okay with that too that would be cool yeah i'd get on board with that but yeah uh so while we kind of skip past it so the hop back while, while everything's happening on tatooine uh there's stuff also happening concurrently with obi-wan who is following uh jango fett and boba because he put a tracker on slave one and we get one of the greatest things to come out of this movie and people love it to death uh, Slave One Sonic Boom thingy in the bomb, it's it slaps so hard like it sounds just so good. <laughs> I also like that like at this point you now realize that Boba Fett just took his dad's things and then just painted <laughs> them in his own colors. Yeah, because <laughs> because he he just takes Slave One which is painted in Django's colors in this and then he paints it the color of his armor. Like <laughs> it's, it, it's funny that he just that's all he does. Um. But I guess he is technically a clone, so that makes sense. And uh, Obi-Wan tracks the Fets to Geonosis, where he does some spy stuff and then promptly gets captured, because he's obviously not good at spy stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he's spying on Dooku, who's talking with the Techno Union, the Trade Federation, and the Banking Clan, who are Plagueis' old squad. Plagueis used to be, like, the leader of the uh, Banking Clan. And this is where Dooku admits kind of to attempting to kill Padme. And they're talking about how they're building a super droid army to fight the Jedi and the Republic to get them to agree to their demands. And Obi-Wan's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then he yeah. gets captured. So <laughs> the, the highlight of that, that whole thing for me is the interrogation between Dooku and, um, and Obi-Wan. And I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, Dooku basically just comes right out and says it. I don't think this was probably part of what Palpatine would have wanted. No, this was Dooku's plan. He was he was like fully prepared, like to, to just throw Sidious under the bus. <laughs> and I think that's super cool. He's just like, yeah, the Senate's under control by a Dark Lord of the Sith, Darth Sidious, and uh, you know, it's not good, man. Yeah. And Obi's the one's like. Pfft. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, because like as I understand it, Dooku's like he's like this. The Senate is messed up, the Order's messed up, and it seems the best way for me to to deal with this is to go along with with this guy. And then obviously it led leads to his death, but he had his own plans, and it just doesn't quite work out. I like though that we also learn here in that scene that uh, Qui Gon's master was Dooku. Yeah. So there's like, there's that connection there, and he's trying to play on the heartstrings to get Obi Wan to join him. And then obviously it doesn't work. Uh, 
and at the same time too as we get the jar jar doing the stupidest thing he gets manipulated <laughs> into voting uh palpatine from being the chancellor to the supreme chancellor and giving him rights to like make an army and stuff at this point i his like his aide Masameda, the 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 blue guy i was wondering at this point is he part of palpatine's plans or is he also just manipulated by palpatine i could i never knew you get the sense that he is way closer and way more involved with uh, Palpatine's plans than just somebody that's being influenced. Right? Because, like, it, it, spoiler ahead, but in, in episode three, he calls him master at times and stuff. Like, it's like it's after everything's been revealed, but it's still weird. Yeah. And I think uh, the scene where, like, the Jedi – or not the Jedi, but the Senate's basically – or a couple of people at the center are talking about like, Ooh, we got to like vote for this army. And how are we going to do that? Oh, only if Supreme Amidala was here. Like he's very much like on the nose. <laughs> like, Ooh, I wonder if we can do this. And I hope somebody happens to be here and we'll do what we want. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, he seems like he's too much involved in what the, overall plan kind of is to just be like a randomly influenced guy right that's 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 what i was thinking too but i wasn't sure because he like he could easily just be being manipulated as well and he thinks like palpatine's up to something completely different but it doesn't matter and results the same uh jar jar puts forth a vote to make palpatine the supreme chancellor and uh he approves the clone army for use essentially yeah, and this is what I was talking about in the last in the last uh, movie review is the fact that even though Jar Jar is very annoying and clumsy and dumb, he is important because probably nobody else would have everybody else in the story would be conflicted enough or cautious enough to not vote to give Palpatine more executive powers. But Jar Jar's like, oh, I want to do good. I want to not be bad at this job that Padme appointed me to. And maybe it's a good thing that I give him more powers and he's gullible enough to go along with it. You know, like he's very important to the story in that regard, because who knows where, I mean, obviously it would have still gone this way, but realistically, maybe it wouldn't have, if you didn't have somebody dumb enough, like Jar Jar Binks (laughs) to vote on this. Right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then he's just, he's an idiot. <laughs> Padme and Anakin uh, decide to go to Geonosis to save Obi-Wan, and they very blatantly walk into a trap. Uh, also, for some reason, they brought R2 and C-3PO with them into this <laughs> into this trap. Uh, on the special features, they kind of talk about what was supposed to happen in this scene. Like, the droid assembly scene that we get wasn't originally what it was supposed to be. I can't recall exactly what it was, but I know that I would prefer it over this because this scene is like super slapsticky and it feels like a lot more Indiana Jones esque than Star Wars. Like it, it just really doesn't fit to me. It feels out of place. I, I think I read or heard somewhere that like George Lucas uh, came up with that sequence very last minute. He did. Yeah, they, there was a completely other plan, and then George came up with that like pretty much while they were filming. Yeah. And that's where you get that weird junky feeling. Yeah. 
it just it just doesn't fit. And I, I think there was just supposed to be a fight or something before that, but it was anyways. I I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> it's probably like my least favorite scene of the of the movie. And this is also like I think at this point it's the fourth or fifth time that they've kind of played with the fact that, like that Anakin's hand is in trouble. Like, <laughs> like things keep happening to his arms. <laughs> In this one, he gets stuck in like a in a metal casing, and then a thing drops on it, and it only breaks his lightsaber. It doesn't break his hand. <laughs> yeah, so many close calls. So many close calls. Yeah, it's the fifth, it's the fourth or fifth close call, I think. Uh, but yeah, so Padme and Anakin get captured because of course they do. Um, and this is where Padme confesses her deep love for Anakin, which feels pretty sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Obi-Wan sasses them in their attempted rescue efforts, which I love. Uh, that, that always makes me chuckle. But they get put in like a gladiator-esque pit, and some beasties are sent to kill them. Uh, Anakin tames his pretty quickly. <laughs> Obi-Wan yeah, beats, tricks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan beats his with his hands tied up and with a little pizzazz. And uh, Padme fights a big kitty and gets a scratch to her back uh, before Anakin helps her. And it leads into uh, the big action scene of this movie. When the Jedi show up, uh, Mace Windu gets lit on fire. Jango Fett gets his head chopped off, and uh, Kit Fisto looks silly. <laughs> That's pretty much, pretty much the sum up of that <laughs> before the clones roll up. I don't know yeah. how you feel about that one with the, all the Jedi showing up. Um, I loved it, man. Like One of the things I've always wanted especially when you look at a movie or a series called Star Wars and like the hype behind like this pre prequel trilogy. And I, I always look back at like the KOTOR stuff. I want to see armies of Jedi, like lots of Jedi fighting either Sith or whatever. I want to see lightsabers everywhere. And this was a cool enough scene. This is probably, I think that, yeah, this is the only time we're ever, we've ever gotten something like this. And it was cool. I think that, um, Definitely could have been better. It was very weak, but it was still really cool yeah. seeing all these Jedi showing up. I do want to take a second to appreciate the fact that when uh, Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan were fighting those monsters, first off, the Praying Mantis one terrified me as a kid. <laughs> but the uh, I, I think it's hilarious that when Padme gets scratched in the back by the cat monster, it perfectly cuts her shirt to reveal her stomach. Like it cuts her back. She has three claws stripes in the back, but like a, a frame or two later, it's like a perfectly cut t-shirt that completely reveals her stomach. It's just like what? Wasn't her stomach always out? No, because she had a cape on at first. Then they took the cape off her. Yeah, when no. They, when they brought her out to the thing, I have to look yeah. at this now because I. It's funny. <laughs> It's like she gets cut in the back, and then all of a sudden later, she's got like a complete open midriff. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, wonder what the heck. It's <laughs> weird. All right, yeah, I guess it ripped its, the shirt on the back and the front. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, but, yeah, I, I, uh, I think a lot of the, the Jedi look silly. Like, I want it to be cool. Like, I want that to be a really cool scene, but a lot of them just look silly. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the f- 
first time you see the purple lightsaber. It is the first time you see the purple lightsaber. That Indeed. was cool. Django gets toasted, though. I do like the fact that uh, <laughs> if you slow it down when his head gets chopped off, you can see the shadow of his head coming out of the helmet. <laughs> I I haven't slowed it down enough to see it, but I have heard that online, and I yeah, thought that was cool. It is there, <laughs> which is a nice touch. Which is nice because, yeah, Boba picks up that helmet. I'm like, is his dad's helmet your head going to fall out of that thing? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, no, it already fell out. <laughs> that's, that's why I checked there. Uh, but, yeah, so the Jedi get kind of surrounded, but then Yoda rolls up with the clones, and uh, this is the, technically the first battle of the Clone Wars. Uh, which, you know, yay. <laughs> we get uh, some more of Anakin's lack of discipline, too, here, uh, as he tries to land the ship to help Padme when she falls out, which I don't really get how she fell out, but she fell out. Uh, and he also... Uh, when him and Obi-Wan catch up to Dooku, he tries to attack Dooku alone, which leads to him getting hurt, which leads to Obi-Wan having to fight Dooku alone and also getting hurt. And uh, But he only gets stabbed in the leg. But that leads to the cool visual of Anakin uh, hopping back into the fight with like the Force Leap, and then he takes on Dooku with two lightsabers. That scene was actually, I'm pretty sure, choreographed by Ray Park. Really? Or Or was it Ahmed Best? I feel like it's neither. <laughs> one, one of the two. One of the two actually uh, um, came up and helped with like the choreography or creating of that fight. Let me just Google it really quick. I don't think that's right because I watched the the special features, and it was just the normal uh, the normal lead lightsaber coordinator. Let's see if I can find something somewhere. I remember. So I know they made a point of saying that uh, Duke uh, Christopher Lee is probably the person who had done the most like sword fighting on film, so it was a big thing to have him doing it there. But he also didn't do most of it. Like, so. I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure uh, one of those two guys had a big hand in helping with that fight. Yeah, but I've been like I've been looking it up ever since you mentioned. It. I'm not finding anything. I feel like that's something they would have mentioned in the, the extras. And I like I watched all of those and then I don't think they mentioned anything about that, but we could be wrong if you find it. Hit me up, but Yeah, I'll have to let you know. I can't I, see why I would make that up. But I also don't see why that would be a thing. <laughs> Ray Park wouldn't have been there. And they all the best likely also wouldn't have been there. <laughs> it might have been a like a like they consult like consulted on how to how to do it or something. Uh, yeah, so I just found a breakdown from IGN and they're just saying it was just Nick Gillard for hmm. that fight. I'm sure I'll find it somewhere. I'll let you know if I find it. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, I like that that image of Anakin with the two lightsabers for a bit. Then, of course, one gets destroyed and then he has to fight him like one-on-one -on -one. and ultimately he gets his arm chopped off in a very weird moment because it's like anakin does a move and then he freezes like he stops and dooku then chops his arm off like i'd like to believe that maybe like dooku force froze him or something and then chopped his arm off but it doesn't seem like it it just seems like a weird mistake it's 
probably just really weird camera work to be like, oh, he's getting his hand cut off. Make sure you guys don't miss this. It's important. Yeah, it's it was super strange. I wonder, like, if Anakin would have fought better if he never had, like, that bit where he had two lightsabers. I mean, didn't seem to impact him at all in the third movie. What? <laughs> he uses two lightsabers in the third movie. No, he only uses one. Doesn't he get Duke? No. I thought he, he, uses, got... he uses Dooku just to cut off his head at the end. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, because like, I remember reading somewhere a point that like a part of the fight and why he lost is that he's not he's not trained to, to do like he's not trained in Jarkai, I believe is what it's called. Yeah, he's not trained in Jarkai, so he he like he's better in other forms. Like he, I think he still would have lost. <laughs> but it's interesting to think about. Uh, so yeah, he ends up losing his arm and he's laying on obi-wan and shit and then yoda rocks up and he's like what's up what's up and they have a little force fight and then uh we also learn here that dooku was yoda's palpatine or palpatine (laughs) was yoda's padawan uh and they get into a lightsaber fight where yoda does a bunch of flips and stuff and i still think it's really cool i know a lot of people didn't like it but i think it's it's pretty neat yeah, there. From what I've heard about in terms of like criticism was the fact that uh, the force is supposed to be like the be all end all strongest thing ever, but they're like, oh, we can't. We're equals when it comes to like force efficiency, so we can only settle this with a lightsaber. And then all of a that sudden, that made no sense. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, um, uh, what is it? We're gonna go and do this crazy, crazy fight, and for a lot of people are like. That doesn't make sense. How can Yoda do all of that? He's so old and brittle. And on top of that, like the Force should be better than the lightsaber. I personally really like the fact that basically Yoda is using the Force to, in a way, augment himself to be able to fight like that. I think that that idea is cool. Well, that's what he's doing. (laughs) That's why he can do it. I think the idea of that is super sick. Yeah, like and like the... The, 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 well, I don't agree with the line where he's like we're matched in like powers it's just they're kind of at a sat, a standstill like you throw this thing at me and I'm just gonna make you not throw it at me so like, like, I, like it makes sense that they would fight with the lightsabers I, I think people more complain about yeah but what you said where like people complain about the flips and stuff and it's like well he's small he has to make up for that in a way and he obviously uses the force to, to augment his fighting like of course he does yeah I think that was super cool. Yeah, I think it's super cool, and I don't know why people don't like it, but uh, eventually Dooku's like, if I keep fighting this jumping little frog, I'm going to die. So he drops like some rocks on, on Obi-Wan and Anakin, and Yoda has to be like, no, and stop to, to Such save a them. villain play. Such, Such a, a villain, villain move. The villainous of plays. <laughs> and he bounces to go join up with uh, Shifty Palps. And there's a scene, I, I can never remember if it's a deleted scene, if it's actually in the movie or not, uh, but there's a scene where, like, we see that Dooku has the Death Star plans. Yeah, when they're meeting on the, uh, they're meeting on Genosis. They're having a yeah. conversation there. You okay, see so that's that's tree. in the movie, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never sure. I'm, I'm never sure. But yeah, so he gets away, and 
Yoda says the thing. He says, begun, the Clone Wars has. And uh, Anakin and Padme get married on Naboo as we see Anakin's shiny new hand. So, like, they're moving super fast in that relationship. Yeah. Uh, and the movie ends, and um, as we all know, Anakin probably yippied that night. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's a fine movie, I think. It's a good times. Um, there's there's obviously some stuff I don't like in this, and there's some some fairly boring moments. But I think for the most part, especially once they get to Naboo, like once they get to the part where Anakin and Padme are on Naboo, and Obi-Wan's in, on Kamino, from there it's pretty much like straight pleasant sailing. I... I actually don't, I'm not, I lose a lot of interest, weirdly enough, after Tatooine, which is weird. I'm more interested in the start, like, it's the the mystery and the in- intrigue and the little, like, nods to other things that really carry me through the start to Tatooine. But then after Tatooine and you're just, like, going to the Genosis, I'm kind of bored at that point, weirdly enough, because it's the most action-packed and, like, bigger moments um, of the movie. That was a scary noise. <laughs> but yeah, no, I uh, I find some bits of Genosis boring, but for the most part, I think, like, the hype of Tatooine and then, like, wondering what's going to come from Geonosis usually gets me through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get, obviously, the Dooku fights, which are, are still cool. They're not as good. They're not nearly as good as, like... I think the lightsaber duels in Episode 1, 3, 5, and 6 are all better than... than the Dooku fights, but they're still it's still better than like the New Hope fights, and I still like it. So yeah. Well, let me see what I got for notes here on the last of that. Uh, no, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah, so I think like I still think this one's like pretty low on my list. Um, it's fine, and and you, I can't really say anything more about it. It's like a fine movie with some good scenes and then a couple bad scenes and that's really like the, the most I can say about it. It's still the one I skip the most on any rewatch I do. Like usually if I'm going to watch a Star Wars movie, I watch episode one and then I go to three. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of depressing that the vast, like of all 11 Star Wars movies, they, in my opinion, for as much as I like Star Wars, it seems to trend negatively more in terms of like quality and entertainment value for me. <laughs> and that's kind of really sad considering how big Star Wars is, especially to like nerdy people, is that the vast majority of the movies really aren't that great. Well, like of, so like I'm not going to count Solo and Rogue One because I think those are kind of different things, but like of the nine, I like. Like I, I, there's there's things to like about all of them, but I yeah I like one, I like three, I like four through six, and I like seven. The rest I could do without. <laughs> That's so pretty much. I guess wrong. six six out of nine is is pretty decent. <laughs> but like I I like the same ones as you, but if I had to like from start to finish, there's probably only three of those movies that. I would really, I have no real big problems with, and that's, you know, 
five and six and three. Okay, so I guess I, I have four that I don't really have big problems with. Three, five, six, and seven. A lot of people like to have problems with seven, and I, I, I don't really. But I'm sure we'll get to those once we get to that movie. But, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's two. Um, I think it's probably the most negative we're going to be towards a Star Wars movie until we get to Episode Eight, most likely. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's pretty much uphill from here. Um, yeah. Which is nice. <laughs> that's very nice that it's pretty much uphill from here. Yeah. Uh, like honestly, like. Other than probably Rogue One, which I've only seen twice and I don't have a super high opinion of, uh, I like every single movie up until eight. So it's gonna it's gonna be a while before I get any get super negative about any of them again. I I look forward to you watching Rogue, Rogue One again. I need prob- to watch it it's again. It's one of yeah. my favorite Star. Like it's probably it's probably oh it's we'll have to wait have to wait because it's up there, man. Everyone says that to me. Like everyone, like I talked when I, whenever it's talked about or anything, everyone's like, or people rank it. It's always super high on people's list. And if I put it low, people get like weirdly upset. But we'll get, when I, we get to I it. I'll talk about why. it more. But <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely understand why. But yeah, so this is episode two. We'll probably be back for episode three. It'll be next week, I guess, because even if we recorded earlier. I release these generally on a weekly schedule. So, <laughs> so this week will be uh, this one, obviously, and the week after, ideally, will be episode three. 